Welcome to the Poe Politicking Show. Founded in 2008, Poe Politicking is a hip-hop meets self-help brand. With each interview, we teach the babies and share success secrets with you, the listener. Past guests of the Poe Politicking Show include Yo Gotti, Currency, MC Light, BG, Dead Prez, Rashida, Project Pat, and more. We also showcase the future upcoming stars of hip-hop. Subscribe on iTunes and get automatic updates of each podcast episode. Popolitikin.com. Welcome back to Popolitikin. We're now politicking with Reg Henney. How you doing, bro? Yo, what up, bro? How you doing, Chris? Chill, man. I'm doing great. So uh, I was telling them, like, first thing, man, we go way back because you was actually on the first Popolitikin mixtape, volume one, 2008. I had two of your songs in there. Yeah, me, 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 uh, me and the boy Chase, my, my homeboy Chase. All right, man. So the first thing, I just want you to talk about some of your daily habits and rituals. Daily habits and rituals. Uh, to be honest, um, you know, obviously my intent is always tuned into what's, what's going on as far as with, with our community in particular. Um but I mean, I'm, I'm, I mean, it's a regular life, you know what I'm saying? I, every day, it's, it's, you know, actually I'm blessed because uh, I've been working with kids for years. Um, not something I set out to do, but um, God kind of directed my, my path, and um, I ended up getting the chance to work with kids for a long time, which gave me a different perspective on when I was doing music and um, really out there. Like, you know, um, my, my producer, my best friend is uh, DJ Rex. I got a chance to actually, uh, um, you know, be in Los Angeles and work with him, you know, particularly when he was working at one of the labels. And uh, the, my, my, my whole concept really was I started kind of gauging everything I was doing in that realm according to, man, how am I affecting, you know, these kids? You know, how am I affecting young people? You know what I mean? So I always, it kind of was a, a gauge for my conscience whenever it came to me doing music, so. All right. I mean, I know you from San Diego. You from Oceanside too, right? Or, yeah, Oceanside. Well, right. That's my city. I love it. So I want you to talk about your background a little bit and tell us how you fell in love with this music. Because you know, I'm in love with this. And this is my girl, so I want to know how you. Yeah. How, we sharing the same girl, but it's all good. I ain't gonna trip. Yes, yeah, so, <laughs> and that's that, that's the one girl you should share. This should be all good. <laughs> yeah. Yo, uh, man, man, Oceanside. Uh, I grew up in, in the Deep Valley neighborhood, um, and uh, it's funny because. Uh, Growing up in that neighborhood, and particularly with Oceanside in general, is uh, is so much so similar to so many other hoods in in, in our country because you kind of get this worldview just based on where you come up at, where you live at. And um, growing up in Oceanside during the time that I grew up, um, you know, it was just it was a lot of heavy gang influence. Uh, there was no way that you wasn't at least affiliated, if not if not actually in the set. So um, a lot of people just listening to my music probably don't know that or don't pick up on it because it's not it's not like I'm out, you know, trying to broadcast it all the time. But that, that was what Oceanside was like for me and so many other people. Like I said, Young Tage, you know, he, he came up in Oceanside, DJ Rack. So many of us that grew up out there, whatever, we, it's like we share this common bond. So Oceanside heavily influenced um 
my view of the world and music in general. Um, and then uh, Oceanside is also a military town, so you get a lot of transplants. Like, I'm not originally from California. You know, my, my, my father was in the military, and we originally came from back east from New York. And we used to live in Jamaica, Queens, before I came out to Oceanside when I was little. So, um, you know, we grew up out here, and we have so many other influences from all around, so it kind of it, it infuses itself in the music. So you're not going to hear just one sound that comes from Oceanside. In particular, with Oceanside, you're not going to hear just one sound. In Dago, you might have a generalized kind of sound. Not that everybody sounds the same, but there's more people that sound alike than if you were to say like a city like Oceanside. You, you find like so much different, particularly with, with hip-hop and with rap, you find so many different influences there. Alright. And who are some of your influences, uh, I guess musically, like some of your artists that influenced you. Um, when, as far as as far as mainstream artists, uh, I was really really influenced by um, Rakim, Nas, um, you know, different groups like a Tribe Called Quest. Um, I was a big fan of N.W.A. Um, I really couldn't get away with listening to them in the house, but <laughs> I was a big fan of N.W.A. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm an old head, so a lot of my influences come from that era. And, and, uh, Big, I was a, I mean, Biggie was a, a real big influence to me. I love the way that he was able to spit and say things very clear, um, tell stories. That was, he was like the Alfred Hitchcock of, of hip hop. Um, and, uh, and obviously like, like Tupac, um, uh, and I wasn't a big Tupac fan until I actually met him when I met him. Um, I was about 17 or 18 years old, and um, and he was such a cool dude, like really cool. And, and years later, I read that about him that he could go to any hood and kick it with anybody, and that's the exact same impression I got the night that we met him. That he was where you meet him at? Traffic. Uh, outside of the Soul Train Music Awards, um, right by the feet, you know, they, they normally used to hold it at the Shrine Auditorium in, um, in, in Los Angeles, down by USC, and it was right outside of the uh, Felix uh, used car parking lot. A lot of people that from that area might know, they might, might be familiar with that. But uh, he happened to roll up in a car. He was actually in a, he was driving like a little Lexus Coupe, and um, he was uh, the, in the lane nearest to the curb. And um, uh, he was at a stoplight, and one of my boys just ran off. My boy Marlon ran off, um, saw him, spotted him, went to go say what's up. Next thing I know, we stand in the corner having this huge, this long conversation, and he's telling us uh, it, it was during the uh, the death row rap party for Above the Rim because they did, they did a soundtrack, and um, he was giving us directions to it and who to holler at and everything like that. Just chopping it up with us, and light turned green. And, you know, he he didn't even move the car. I was like, oh, this light's green. He's like, what the fuck that light? You know, he, literally, that was like, like Tupac. And after that night, that's when I actually became a fan of his because it was different from the perception that people were actually getting at the time. Um, people, if you're not old enough to remember, he's revered now, but he's very, uh, um, you know, a controversial figure back then. And, um, and that was like 94. So it's was, it was sure meeting him, but... Um, I mean, he left the lasting impression on just how cool he was to be talking. You're Tupac, and you're just taking the time to talk to just regular dudes you don't even know. You know what I'm saying? And it was a real cool meeting, though. All right. And what would you say makes you unique as an artist and stand out from, seem like we got, like, thousands of artists out here now? Um, from, 
my way. Um, it's funny because that's like a, one of them self-introspective uh, <laughs> kind of questions. And as a, I don't take myself um, as seriously as an artist. I kind of feel like um, I happen to just be lucky. Even with the Reader Project, uh, doing this project, I felt like anybody could have did this project. And I would have accepted anybody doing it. I would have accepted uh, from a, a young thug to a Jay-Z to a Kanye to a, um, uh, I don't care who it is, uh, Project Pat, whatever, whatever rapper that's ever, you know, uh, stepped foot in the genre, I would have accepted anybody doing a project like Reader because it's so based on um what's going on on the uh on the message yeah yeah it's so based on that um and i say i would have accepted anybody doing it because even if somebody has a change of heart and you're like yo that person is just capitalizing on the moment and the fact that social media and mainstream media is has latched on to issues that are near and dear to us for me, I'm like I'll take any ally I could take at this at the, at, as possible because we need it. We we need any voice that's willing to say, "Hey, I know I've been talking about this for a while, but I'm not gonna lie. This this is really bothering me. What's going on right now is really bothering me." Mm. So as far as as far as being an artist, I've I've always felt like people might not know this. I mean, not that a lot of people know me, but the ones that do know me, I you know I've been complimented over the years, and I do appreciate that, but. Uh, the truth is, every time I've written a verse, every time, every time I've written anything or did a whole project, I always feel like, you know, you got lucky. You're not going to be able to do that again. You know that, right? Like, literally, every every verse I've ever written, whether it was featured on somebody's joint or, or me writing three verses on my own song or whatever, I always feel like you got lucky. Like, you Why is can't that? do that again. Why is uh, that? Only because... I feel like that only because um, I understand the work that goes into to putting together songs and writing verses and coming up with concepts and recording and getting it right and mixing it down. I, I know the work that goes behind it. And um, sometimes if you're talented enough or you, somebody's telling you you're talented enough, you know that, yo, know, talent gets you to a certain point. And you know that, you know, it's, I'm glad that I'm talented. I'm glad, not not me personally, but if somebody gives me that compliment, I'll go, cool, I'm glad that it worked out like that. Because I don't walk around normally going, I am so-and-so. I'm, I'm a regular human being, a man that just lives day to day, and I happen to see things or things that happen in my life, and I'm fortunate enough to where I can go turn on my Pro Tools setup and turn my microphone on and document it. I, that, that's what I mean. I'm, I'm fortunate and I'm lucky that I get to be able to do that. And I don't think that I'm as good as this person or that person. I just think that you came up with a good verse. Congratulations. And then if I get moved to write something else, that I go through something else, or I see something else that, that touches my soul, then I'll, I'll get a chance to write on that. But as far as how I view myself as an artist, I really view myself as a person that happens to be decent at this uh, using my voice to do this. If I was better at baking cakes, I would be putting my emotion and everything in the baking cakes. If I was really good at fixing cars, I'd be trying to help people by fixing their car if they have an issue with their car, you know what I'm saying, they need to make it to work. 
that's what I feel like. I feel like I'm lucky and, and I'm fortunate and I'm blessed. So this is your talent. Yeah, that's it. That's it. All right. So I want you, you, you hit on it a little bit, but I want you to talk about the Reader Project and what it stands for, first thing, and then yeah. just talk about how you came about it and let us know about it. I like it, man. It's That's what's up. Okay, um, um, the Reader, um, uh, uh, Rec, anybody who knows DJ Rec, he, he's kind of a big deal out here. You know, he's from North County, San Diego, and um, I've been working with him. And man, probably probably about eighteen years now for a long time. Um, and I had I had kind of stepped away from doing music probably around the time you're talking about maybe eight uh, between eight and ten years ago. I kind of stepped away and actually moved towards just DJing. I was doing a lot of DJing. It's crazy how DJing works because people are more willing to pay the DJ than they are the artist, the rapper. So. Um, I started doing a lot of DJ work, and me and Rec would do share gigs sometimes, and we always hang out anyway. And he was always trying to get me to start recording new music, and I'm just like, you know, I'm saying I'm, I'm cool on that. Um, you know, once the Soldier Boy thing hit <laughs> a few years back, I was just like, all right, you know, man, it's a good time to clock out. Um, and then. Uh, uh, you know, as you get older, you, you 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 have family situations, tragedies, things like that, whatever. Um, and um, I ended up uh, losing my mother to cancer, and I was trying to just you know stay busy and uh, get back to work. And then I had my own my own little health issue. Ended up in the hospital, which is based off of stress, and I uh, had to be at home. And I have you know, like I said, I still got my pro tools set up and everything like that, and it just needed to. Uh, get my mind moving again. So I just started, uh, I had actually already recorded like a dummy uh, for a song uh, before all that happened and uh, and Rec had heard it and was trying to encourage me to re record more songs like it and it was a song called America Back. It's actually on the Reader Project. And uh, um, I ended up uh, just just banging out songs, man. I was just, I, I was at home for a minute and um uh, even even having a best friend that's a producer, I was recording songs probably faster than getting tracks from because I don't write to tracks. I've never written to tracks. I may I may have somebody that you know, particularly if I'm on this song that uh, a track ready, and I'll listen to the track and go, okay, I I get the I get it. I can come up with a cadence and I know the BPM on it. I'm just gonna go out to my car right now and write without the music. That's what I normally do. So um, as I'm working on songs for Rita, a lot of the songs were acapellas. I was recording the main verse, the background uh, vocals, uh, building the whole uh, hook and everything like that to just the metronome. There's quite a few songs on Rita that are built like that, and um, and. Um, Brett would come back and hear the music, I mean, hear the, hear the vocals and how they stacked and everything like that. And then he would come up with a track for it. Or I would make certain suggestions, like particularly the first song on the album is called Are We The People. And um, I had sent him basically the voice memos of me, like, doing the cadences for the horns and everything like that or whatever. But uh, Rita is basically, in a nutshell, it stands for revolution is easy to talk about. And um, what it means is uh, there's people that are like, yo, revolution is easy to talk about, so what are you actually doing about it? Yeah, it's easy to talk about, but what are you actually going to do? 
Um, or it means revolution is easy to talk about. Why aren't we talking about it? Um, why aren't we at least having a conversation about it? And I noticed that just on social media. People are shy to talk about issues of race because they're scared of what they, not scared, but they a little apprehensive because of what their supervisors, somebody they work with might think. Um, you know, or, or they, they just don't want to make family members uncomfortable. I'm like, yo, man, it's like family counseling. Nothing's going to get solved. The issue's going to remain the same if you don't at some point open up and say something. If you don't say something, you know, if you're scared of rejection, why? Why are you scared of rejection? Why are you scared of bringing it up? If you don't say anything, you're going to be in the same boat anyway. So the whole thing with me doing a project, Rita, is just trying to get people to be comfortable with hearing and thinking about what's going on and then saying, fine, I'm cool with saying something about it, you know? That's that's basically what we're trying to do with this. I would say, so what do you think about, like, cause I was talking to my homie about this before. So it's like some people, they just don't care because if it's like if it's not affecting them, they don't care. So it's like, and I think that's, that's sometimes that's the reason. That's totally understandable. Huh? That's totally understandable. I think, I think the root of a lot of what's going on um, and uh, a lot of our angst as far as black community is concerned, uh, historically in this country, we've always been floating somewhere around 11% of the total population. Let's just say when they finally legally said we're human beings, which wasn't until uh, 1865, somewhere around the, the time they came up with the 13th Amendment for emancipation after the Civil War had ended. Um, let's say we start off where we were considered people. We were 11% of the population as people. We've always been around 11, 12% of the population. So that tells you that the majority of the population doesn't look like us. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, the majority of the population doesn't share in our culture. They, you know what I'm saying? Our, our traditions are just different. So we always have this idea that racists are literally sitting there with, with, with white hoods on and robes on, ready to burn crosses. You could be uh, complicit in racist behavior and, and, and a, system of ra- uh, a system of white supremacy. You could be complicit in that just because you lack empathy. Mm. How many times, see, how many times, if you're not a dog lover, if you're not an animal lover, and you see them ASPCA commercials with Sarah McLaughlin and the sad music playing and they show the abused animals and the show. In the heart of an angel. Exactly. <laughs> All that. Okay, if you don't care about animals and you see that commercial, your response is going to be nonchalant. You're going to pick that remote control up and you're going to be like, oh, Man, where's where's Seinfeld? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You're not going to care. And it's not because it makes you an evil person. That's just not on your menu. That's just not right. on your radar to care about. Now, if, when you see a, a horrible, tragic, what they call an act of God, those uh, uh, tsunami, earthquake, yeah. whatever, tornado going on overseas in Asia, somewhere, whatever, the average America, American is looking at the news going, hey, didn't the Clippers play last night? Huh. Or the Lakers, yo, or the Patriots, who played? Let me go find that. They're going to switch to ESPN. Why? Because it's not that they don't... If, if that tragedy happened right there in the middle of Kentucky, 
or that tragedy happened right there. Or if you don't, if you don't know nobody in that place, it's like whatever. Like you don't know nobody yeah. there. Like it don't matter. Like he's, okay, oh. now, 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 let's 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 uh, bring that down from a global uh, uh, view to right here nationally. If you don't, if you're not black. If your daughter ain't married to somebody black, right? You, you, it don't matter. The chance that you don't really care. So you have to understand. That's why there's been ninety, a hundred years between major legislation. There's a, usually a ninety to a hundred year gap. Okay, seventeen seventy six. When was the, the the next big legislation that meant something for black people in this country? Eighteen sixty five. Maybe 1863, if you count the uh, Emancipation Proclamation, which didn't even free all the slaves. It didn't free the slaves in the border states, the states that, uh, that stayed loyal to the Union. It only freed the, state, um, the slaves in states that were found in insurrection, the ones that had seceded. So it, it technically, Lincoln didn't have any jurisdiction in those states, but he said, look, we're going to free the slaves there. So hopefully it'll help them uprise down there and give us some some uh, momentum. Whatever, you know what I'm saying? But anyway, it's 90 years between 1776 and 1865. Legislation comes out. You get the 13th Amendment. It frees the slaves. Really, it really just changed the, the name of slavery. That's all it did because you have people doing sharecropping and Jim Crow laws, black codes and all that. Anyway, then you fast forward from 1865 to when? 100 years later, 1964. You have the uh, the uh, Civil Rights Act, 1964, signed by Lyndon Johnson, and you have the Voting Rights Act, uh, 1965, which they basically gutted in 2013 because they took out the provision that uh, that allows for federal oversight in states, particularly nine southern states, that want to change their voting laws to affect the outcome of, of election. They would they would they would basically disenfranchise people of color. So that, that, that Voting Rights Act basically is null and void right now. And I'm surprised that it's not a bigger issue in our community, that there's not bigger outrage about it. We kind of just let it happen. That was, and, it's, and that happened with a Supreme Court decision, because we have, up until Scalia's um, uh, bitch ass died, sorry about that, up until he died this past, this year, um, you had, uh, it was basically five to four in the Supreme Court. And whenever it's leaning more uh, conservative, we're going to have outcomes like that that basically gut uh, historic law like the Voter Rights Act of 1965. So we're averaging a 90 to 100-year gap on any real meaningful legislation that positively affects the black community. Why? Because this country is not, I don't want to say this country is evil, but we do a lot of evil stuff. <laughs> Let's be honest. Our country does a lot of evil stuff. And the majority of the country is not willing to move on behalf of black people because it is not their concern. We, what we need to do is not be surprised by that. That's just what it is. We don't need to be surprised by it. What we do need to do, though, is we need to turn up our antenna amongst us and say, look, what can we do? Either we're gonna, either we're gonna decide that we're, we're done with America and we, we move on, because I've seen but you, from Marcus Garvey to the Nation of Islam, a, a, a lot of black groups have always said we need to move on. But in my case, I think, well, you know what? We put a lot of time and investment here. I know personally, my family has. I'm, I'm the descendant of this too. So for me, I'm like, no, you know what? If I can control my dollars in a certain way that makes them pay attention to me, then that's what I'll do. If I could change the the music, our narrative through my music, then that's what I'll do. 
until somebody takes me out. That's that's I have no problem doing songs that might piss people off. So who does who is the reader project for? Like describe the person, the perfect listener. Here's the thing: is uh, I don't expect, and if, if you see some of the reactions I've gotten online, um, I'm I'm actually over and done as far as the people that are listening to it technically. They go, "Yo, this is a dope project." I I appreciate it. Don't get me wrong. Um, I, I'm flattered that people think the music is good, you know what I'm saying? And that, that's a good thing. But I'm more and more interested in uh, what people are talking about as far as the subject matter, as far as, you know, uh, as far as having a real genuine conversation about uh, this pro- this project um, and, and what we're talking about. It's really written for um, the person of color that's like, I don't want to upset anybody, so I don't want to bring this up. It's it's really written for um, the white person that might be open to hearing. Okay, well, what's the issue? What, what what's going on? I don't understand. Boom! There's a few songs for you to listen to that's going to help you understand. Pay attention to this. Um, it's really written for the other person of color that may not be black, but they like yo, but it don't affect me. It's really written for them to say, hey, look, it may not affect you right now, but at some point it's going to affect you. At some point it may hit home. At some point there might be that police officer. He may not be fond of black people, but he definitely hates Hispanics. And if your child is out there and that's the day they cross paths, more power to you. There's a song for you to to actually hear that, too. Um, There was a lot more subject matters I wanted to cover on it. Um, Once we got to about, I think, 14 tracks or something like that, I was like, I don't want it to turn into white noise. To be honest, I think we probably had um, one too many songs. I always want to keep it in the context of, you know, let's keep people's attention long enough so they they can really, you know, listen to it. Hmm. All right. And then you was talking about the subject matter. So what are some things you're talking about in the album? so much man um, uh, we, you know I, I it's kind of a historical lesson in one song called uh, 40 Acres and a Mule I, w- I was blessed to have uh, 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 two friends of mine that participated on a song that song 40 Acres and a Mule Dami uh, Young and uh, John Gibbs who I, I, from the bottom of my heart I feel like if it, and not just with San Diego hip hop I think just in general, those guys just being young in their twenties, they they if they're not they, they're, they're the current and the future, and and um, just for them to take time out to uh, to actually get on that song with me was was a blessing. But uh, I actually um, uh, do kind of a historical uh, uh, lesson on that song. Just in just in my verse, I'm talking about how the whole forty acres and the mule. Uh, um, Agreement initially came up, and uh, and uh, you know the field order uh, 15 that uh, Sherman had pronounced, and basically they were just trying to keep the industry going. You have to remember the South was um, a money-making machine, and this this country was uh, founded on uh, the capitalism that was generated from um, from free labor. So uh, we we talk about that on that song. We talk about. Uh, you know, the whole situation where, you know, 
young dudes like Trayvon Martin and Mike Brown and countless others uh, that have fell victim to uh, gun violence and, um, and police misconduct. Um, we cover that on a song called Shoot. Um, that's also produced by Rec. Uh, we cover uh, the, uh, the, the uh, healthcare industry. Um, and like, like I said, I lost my mother to cancer. I got a front row seat and witnessed it firsthand how, um, man, you just, you, you're praying as hard as you can and you, you're trying to work as hard as you can with the insurance companies and then you realize that, uh, you know, the chips are stacked against you. Um, because again, it's an industry, it's a, based on capitalism. Um, but it's mass as, um, as, uh, some sort of humanitarian effort. But at the end of the day, um, it's just like going to a restaurant. The more money you have, the better restaurant you're going to go to, you know? So uh, we, we, we tackle those kind of situations. Um, wow. We, uh, a lot of people were surprised um, with the Jordan. I have a song called Jordans and a Gold Chain, um, which is based on that, uh, the, the, Nas, <laughs> the Nas line. I thought Jordans and a Gold Chain was living it up. Um, I'll, I'll, and, and I'll and I'll say because I've had people actually uh, uh, take me to task on a song like that because I'm a huge. Uh, I grew up a big Michael Jordan fan. Who didn't? Um, and uh, and I wear a lot of Jordan brand uh, from sneakers, clothes, things like that. Um, but uh, I had to take a chance to even chastise myself on this project. Nobody, there's enough blame to go around. <laughs> there's enough uh, 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 self uh, holding the mirror up to yourself that can happen on this on this project, and I, I definitely didn't want to ignore that situation. A lot of things that make me uncomfortable about the whole Jordan situation, so we cover that um, and uh, all kinds of stuff. Uh, the, just the state of black people in general, the black community. That gets covered on songs like uh, um, Leaving You, um, which is basically a breakup song, uh, but stating the reasons why you would have to leave a relationship and how it's unhealthy. Um, and it's not necessarily saying leaving uh, black people or leaving quote-unquote niggas. It's more about, hey, if you ain't going to love yourself, you damn sure ain't going to love me. And uh, at some point, we got to improve our situation. So, uh, but we, we cover a variety of topics, and um, I'm, I'm hoping that uh, when people actually listen to it again, I, I hope that they uh, it makes them really look around and analyze uh, what's going on in their own lives. Yeah, where can they listen to it? Say again. Where can they listen to it? Okay, yeah, on um, www dot com that's r i e t t a f o r a l l dot com um we we have the the site up if you want to actually stream the music from that site or you could go to soundcloud and and, and look up the uh the reader project or look up under reg henny r e g g h e n n y just go to soundcloud go check it out um uh we also have a free download that's uh available on the Reader for All um, webpage. The free download of the entire project is actually available on the webpage right now. Um, and we're going to have it up uh, for a limited time. It's actually going to be uh, 
I think we're going to be shutting it down before the end of the month um, as far as the free download. And then uh, the official official release of the project will have hard copies going to be available uh, through the website um, and at uh, some of the other online retailers. Um, and then we're also going to be having an iTunes release coming up. And the iTunes release is actually going to uh, feature a couple songs that we actually um, initially left off. Um, um, we, we wanted to... Uh, Make sure that those songs went on the actual physical copy release. Um, we can't, I can't wait for people to actually hear them. Um, but, so anyway, we're going to have the, uh, the iTunes release is going to be coming up pretty soon. We're looking at June uh, when the actual official uh, release is going to be available. But right now it's available for free for everybody to check out and um, download on the Read It For All webpage. Man, what's your opinion of the game right now as far as hip-hop music? com. I mean, as far as as far as the, the music game is concerned and, and hip hop music is concerned, I think too many older people take like they take too much of a hard line approach and, and critiquing you know what young people is doing right now. Um, I'm not I'm not even mad at it because it's it's a uh, it's it's a business it's a business and I think once you once you approach it from that standpoint, it gives you a little bit more understanding. Um, anytime you have any commodity that's being capitalized on, corporations always find a way to water it down and give you less while making you pay more. And um, think about it, like, these kids ain't even buying hard copies of CDs nowadays. They're literally, like, paying for a download the same price they would if they bought a CD. So, I mean, it's just corporations trying to make more money. Um, you have, you have uh, artists who are, you know, they, they're trying to get, they're trying to capitalize on it, too. They're trying to get, you know, their pockets mine, too. So, I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not angry about the, the game at all right now. There's actually some, some pretty good music. There's, uh, I listen to, like, I'm, you know, I like listening to Drake. Um, uh, I'm, I'm kind of limited on a lot of stuff. I'm a big Kendrick fan. Um, I like this, uh, these young kids called The Internet coming out of Los Angeles. Um, there's a lot of stuff that I actually do listen to right now. It, uh, people get mad at trap music. Uh, we've always had some form of fashion of trap music and rap music uh, coming up. So, I mean, I mean, it, it, the game, it, it is what it is. It's a game. It's supposed to continue going on. It's supposed to change. It's supposed to evolve. It's just like the people that grew up, like myself being Jordan fans, you want to critique Steph Curry. Like, uh, you know what I'm saying? Let these kids play. It's, it's all great. But it doesn't mean that that you stop doing what you're doing. If you got certain fundamentals and you got certain standards of music, and you feel like it's not enough kids upholding that and, and keeping that tradition going, then maybe you need to turn your microphone back on. Maybe you need to turn your approach setup back on, and don't get mad at the business over whether or not you you have the opportunities. You got to go out there and still do it. You know what I'm saying? You still got to go perform. You still got to. The same thing here. And good music is good music no matter what. Good music, quality music, is, it, it doesn't change. It's always going to be there, and people are going to go looking for it. So put the work in, get the work done, and then and, and, and the people are going to, they, they, they definitely going to come check you out. So I would say, so what would you say um, in store for you? Like, what are your goals for your career right now? As far as music is concerned, again, my, my approach for music has never been from, uh, I guess, a quote-unquote career standpoint. I'm one of those guys that if I feel like performing, I'll perform. If, if I feel like somebody asked me to perform, I got 
I had a couple invites on a few things uh, just recently after we put the uh, project out. And to be honest, I was just like, that's not the that's not the right format for what I'm trying to do. You know, especially when you when you look at where the event, where, where the event's going to be at, what type of event it's going to be. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, I, I, I've always been one of them type of people. It's like I'm not that artist. I don't even with the videos. We already got a video footage shot for one of the videos, and we got uh, plans coming up for one of the other ones. And uh, in conversations, I just had a conversation with uh, uh, John Gears about a month and a half ago, and we were talking about um, the video for 48 Days Review. And he asked me, he was like, so, um, I, told him, I, I was telling him that him and Dami are going to do performance uh, shots or whatever, and and, um, and I, I let him know, and it's not something that I plan on doing. Because uh, I'm just not the video rapper, that kind of rapper or whatever. Uh, I, I don't come across well like that, I don't think. But um, but I'm, I'm trying to do more along the lines of uh, just... Uh, I guess, uh, you, you know what I'm saying, like some cinematic kind of uh, platforms as far as uh, painting any pictures as far as the songs are concerned. So as far as the career is concerned and, and music is concerned, I'm always going to be recording somewhere for my own sanity. I mean, I'm always going to be sharing it in some way or format or whatever, but it is, you know, I don't, I don't sit there and predict anything as far as the career is concerned. I'm not going to sit here and go, oh, I'm going to take over the work because that's not my goal. That's If, if somebody uh, is moved and they, they learn something from anything I have to say on a, on a record, then, then I'm, I'm happy with that, man. I know it sounds like I'm setting the bar low, but I'm a different kind of artist <laughs> when it comes to that. <laughs> I would say, what are your interests and hobbies outside of making music? What are your interests and hobbies outside of making music? Oh, oh outside of making music, um, I, I'm a born guy. I'm all about family, man. I'm really, really, you know, at this point in my life, I'm all about what time can I spend with, with family. Um, you know, things happen in life, and they really, really, they hit you hard, and you start to kind of take inventory of what's really important, what's, what's not important. And, um... I spent a lot of time out, and I mean, we were always at clubs and always performing, always on stage, and huge fights break out, and sometimes it would be exciting, like oh, it's about, it just got real, and then and then after <laughs> after it happens like for a third or fourth straight of performance, you like that is getting kind of old. I, I've been in fights at clubs and been young and turned up and all that and you know what I'm saying and am I old now I, I yeah I'm old <laughs> so you know what I'm saying as far as my interests are concerned outside of doing music um I, I mean I'm kind of a nerd man I'm a born guy I'm, I'm actually more into collecting comic books and toys and spending time with my family and you know what I'm saying but as far as as far as what I have a lot of fun doing I still have fun recording don't get me wrong, I, I still have a lot of fun recording music and, and coming up with stuff and the, the artistry behind it. I, I, I definitely do that, but I'm a different breed when it comes to all that, man. I, I really am not, and I, I don't think I've ever been um, really a lot like a lot of the people that I've done music with or that I, I see doing music. I take, I have a very different standpoint and approach about it. I got more people online thinking my name is Rita as opposed to Red Jenny because I've been 
more promoting the idea and the, the acronym and the the, the, the meaning behind the project as opposed to promoting me, like saying, oh, Greg Shaney did this project, always saying we, to be honest. Alright. And what are some of your favorite books? Oh man. Um uh, right now I'm in the middle of reading I, I got a collection of slave narratives. Uh that includes uh like Frederick Douglass, his narrative. Um my dad actually brought me up on the Nat Turner narrative. I I see that uh I think it's a Birth of a Nation. Um uh the uh the Nat Turner um story that uh um, Nate Parker is actually putting out. I see that they're getting ready to put that out right now. So I've always been a, a big fan of those, those type of autobiographical um, writings. Um, so yeah, my wife just picked me up one that has like four different narratives in it. Um, I just got my hands on uh, the new Jim Crow. Um, and just from what I've read so far, whatever, um, I really encourage a lot of people to really read it because uh, we have so many people that assume that We've come so far. Why? Why are you complaining? And I'm like, nah. That the times change, but people don't. And and a book like that clearly so many people that have come before that have had the same defenses and the same excuses. Um, so I I read. Uh, I know this, gonna, this ain't no big deal to people, but I just reread Moonwalker. 1988, but uh, I just reread that. Uh, so, um, I, I mean, I, I kind of read just a bunch of different things, obviously, uh, comic books. Um, <laughs> my brother just got me on uh, Old Man Wolverine, old, uh, the, uh, the um, art, the story arc in uh, Marvel, where so it's got Wolverine as uh, Old Man, basically, the title. So. Uh, but I read a lot of different things, man. Um, uh, what does Trump like to say? I have books. I got great books. I, I like to read a lot of books. So. <laughs> but no, nah, nah, I, 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 I normally keep it to, it, it, I'm, I'm really historical. I, I like, like I said, narratives, those type of, those type of um, hearing it directly from from uh, the mouths of people that live through it. I love reading those things. Um, it come at me like, yo, I want to start recording. I want to start doing this. If I look down at your sneakers, and you got a nice pair of sneakers on, but you don't at least have a laptop and a, and a USB microphone, I know that you're not serious. And I'll tell you to your face, like, yo, I'm, you're not coming to my spot to record. You you got to show me that you, you go get a job. Number one, go get a job. Go find a legal way to make some money. Get yourself a computer. Get yourself a cultural setup. If you're serious about your craft, you will start investing in yourself. That's the best advice I can give to any artist. Hmm. And what would you like to say to your fans, people that have been supporting your career so far? Um, I just want to say that anybody that's appreciated any line that I've said, any any verse that I've said, uh, that I just I truly appreciate any feedback, good, bad, whatever. I appreciate any feedback, and I appreciate those people that listen. Well, as a matter of fact, that song that you did, one with Tay's Too Many Women song, I, I walked into his place. He, he had a spot out in Escondido some years ago. And I walked in, and, you know, his whole crew was there, like all our boys were there, whatever. And I had this, like I said, I would have this habit of writing to the, the, the right, going out to my car, writing away from everybody, walking back in, and then recording my verse, like, immediately. I couldn't listen. 
listening to nothing else. I couldn't hear nobody. I had to record my verse right away. And then I would usually have to skip off to go to work. And back then, I was really the only guy out of all cool people that had a job. So <laughs> so I would walk off and leave. And then one day, I walked back in, and uh, and they had the song playing. And all of them are screaming the lyrics to my verse. Like, a, they just they yelling the lyrics. And I'm listening to the verse going, that's dope. <laughs> I didn't know it was me because I, I didn't remember the verse. I didn't remember the beat, nothing like that. But it, it, it let me know that uh, people people notice, people listen, and uh, and I really and I really do appreciate that. And um, and more importantly, uh, if those that know me and know who I am, the best thing they could do for me is go check out readaforall.com, uh, go to SoundCloud, go listen to the music, and then tell somebody else about it. All right, man, I want to say thank you for coming through politicking with me. Yo, I appreciate it, Paul, man. Yo, uh, yo, good looking out, man. Keep doing what you're doing. It was ill when you hit me up, and I was like, yo, I uh, see uh, my G is doing big things, doing doing a podcast now and everything like that. And you're right. I remember when it started off with mixtapes and whatnot. And, um, and I told Rick I was going to be on the phone with you today. He was like, yeah, tell you he, uh, tell, tell you he said what's up and everything, man. So, again, I appreciate your time, brother. All right, for sure, man. Is there anything we didn't cover you like to talk about? Ah, uh, man, I, that's it, man. I'm not, I'm not a outside of the subject matter. I'm not a big, <laughs> a big talker, I guess. But I'm passionate about the subject matter, and, and um, I want to see us get right, um, and I want to see us do it the right way. And then how can they contact you? Uh, man, they get me up on. I mean, if you want to check me out on Facebook. Uh, and Red Cheney, we have the Red Cheney page on Facebook. We also have a Reader for All page on Facebook. Um, uh, so we have the Reader for All, R-I-E-T-T-A-F-O-R-A-L-L, Reader for All uh, webpage, uh, readerforall.com. And we also have the Reader for All Facebook page. We've got the Red Cheney Facebook page. We've got a Red Cheney Instagram, uh, Twitter. We've got a Reader for All Twitter. Um, so uh, on all the social media, Politicking.com. What's up, my people? This is Red Cheney, man. And I want to let you know right now I'm politicking with Poe. I'm Poe Politic. By the time you read this letter, shit you don't read anyway. I'ma leave a voicemail to set it straight. You become a dead weight. And every time I try to leave, you always screaming out for me to wait. Promising me that you change. And we know that's as futile as a pocket full of change. Will you be on the stage? Your patrons like to make it rain. This time I gotta make it plain And if I say this time I can't complain You said I was your man, you was doing it for me But I can't justify your ratchetness on BET And you embarrass me on 11 o'clock news With your mispronounced words and acting like a buffoon Shoot out to high noon, cafeteria lunch fights Yolo turned down for what? Screaming out, ride or die On to a different season, I'm trying to ride for life Give me your different reasons, they only help me decide this can only lead to a life that ain't peaceful Loving you is lethal, so I gotta Please just let me It hurts me to It's best that I I don't wanna leave you This can only lead to a life that ain't peaceful Loving you is lethal, so I gotta Please just let me It hurts me to It's best that I 
Bitches in the mule to the first 48. Nowadays, I ain't never seen a 40 that you hate. I'd rather sever all times far before it is too late. Those who've been through bitter breakups ain't the ones that can relate. It's not you, but rather me. Now I'm lying, cause it's you. Feel I never get ahead with all the things you put me through. Feel I may just wind up dead, so I'm like, what's a man to do? Feel I never know the lyrics, like I was Tupac back in juice. Hold up, domestic violence, I'd rather talk it out. You said it all. World star, it's a chance to start the chat. Anytime we going out, it's a fight in the club, so I can't tell if we in love or training for golden gloves. To say I've had enough, the understatement of the year. Before they judge a man's actions, they probably judging his peers. We birds of a feather, I'm a raven, you a crow. The best way for me to love you is to simply let you. I don't wanna leave you, this can only lead to a life that ain't peaceful. Loving you is lethal, so I gotta In the first verse, you thought I said Patron Like like you're living in a palace and your section ain't home Crabs in a barrel can only lead to peril And you never learn your lesson till you're up for your peril Bored till you was bored with a life to sell seven A spade and you was made from the deck that you was given Can never see no better than the life that you've been living You can never see beyond the neighborhood that you have lived in I remember I was just like you A lot of those things, man, I just might do Never thinking what you just might lose Till it's too late and you locked up in the cage like zoos Break it up is hard to do and I'll admit that But in hindsight I am truly glad I did that We ain't seeing eye to eye and we can't kick it Cause I know it's time to leave We've grown apart and things are different I don't wanna leave you, this can only lead to A life that ain't peaceful Loving you is lethal So I gotta hurt, please just let me hurt It hurts me to hurt, it's best that I hurt As my emotions wash over my soul, crying tears the equivalent of a salt lake we all know, from whence we came or do we? Participants we be, rap race blind, these blind blindly, Asante most high kindly, a new day and a new light, I see as a child's innocence, in a sense that every word I speak, say, every move I make, do. Cause and effect generation next Next generation past due is the respect for The ancestors, mothers, sons Laid down life, enduring strife Thoughtfully thinking of you As we unknowingly join in With the mob of white men Spitting in the faces of Despite them This Third generation slave would do 360 degree LeBron James dunks inside his unmarked grave to hear you call your brother a nigga, a nigga, a nigga, a nigga.
the wages where you are employed. A man can capitalism at its best. Why they do 